You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Don't blink. They grow up so fast. If you're a parent, especially if you're a parent and your uh, children have grown and left home, you now understand what that means. But uh, there was a time in your life when you didn't, and uh, you weren't sure if it would ever end. And uh, today we want to talk about our kids and how they grow up so fast. And we're going to do that by looking at Luke chapter 2, 41 to 52. So take your Bibles and turn there. And in just a moment, we're going to read that. Um, But I can remember when people would say to Sue and I, um, don't blink, don't blink. They grow up so fast. We look back now with grandchildren and we're like, where did it all go? Like, what in the world happened to all of that time? It went by so quickly. But I also understand when you're living it, so much of this is a matter of perspective, it may not look like that for you. As you're going through diapers and runny noses and middle-of-the-night feedings, and, and then finally they start to feed themselves, but you have to help them along the way. And, and then they start to uh, um, crawl around, and then they get up, and they start to walk. And on that day, your life changes. And then that day comes when you send them off to junior kindergarten or kindergarten, and you stand in your kitchen weeping, wondering what happened to my child and where did they go? And, and then they go on and in about grade three, for me, about grade three, they bring their homework home and I don't understand their homework. And, uh, and then they go off to high school and you wonder if they're going to turn out okay. And then you uh, write a check and send them off to university and you wonder if they're ever going to come home again. And you wonder, did I do a good job? Did I do what I could do? Was I a success as a parent? Is it all going to work out okay for them? And then one day you walk them down the aisle and, uh, and you think it's all over. Uh, but it's not. Uh, don't blink. Don't blink. Today the story is about the battleground, the fight for our family, especially as it relates around our kids. What we're going to look at in this text is the um, only recorded reference to the time of Jesus growing up from the time his parents took him to the temple when he was a baby until he started his public ministry at about 30 years old. And so it's a snapshot that we have. It's the first recorded words of Jesus are in this text as well. It's a very pivotal text, but it's a very helpful text as we consider, don't blink, don't blink. They grow up so fast. So you've got your Bibles open now, I trust, to Luke 2. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read from his word, Luke chapter 2. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposed him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, and when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? 
And they did not understand the saying he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray together. Father, we realize that there is a battleground. There is a battleground for our family. The world seeks to tear down and destroy. The evil one wants to uh, be a source of destruction in our families, but you are greater. And Father, today we're going to take a look at um, this passage about our kids and how they grow up and how they grow up so fast and but in the midst of this passage, we see that the parents aren't perfect, and, and you work through that, and you use it, God, for your glory as well. So, Lord, would you teach us from your word today? There's something in this text for every person who is in this room. So give us ears to hear and minds that we would understand, God, and hearts, God, that we would take your word and live it out for the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray in his name. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a, pro- that's a proverb. It's something that we go for. Um, in Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. If you have children, there's something you need to understand. You don't own your kids. They belong to the Lord. They've been given to you as a stewardship. You have a huge responsibility to them, but but they are God's children. And they're yours to care for and direct and lead and grow up and teach and so many other things. But we need to remember whose they are. And they belong to the Lord. So as we take a look at Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52, I want to really start by um, setting the table. So I call that point. Let's set the table. Verses 41 to 51, if there was ever a, a text in Scripture that I think there was a movie made of, kind of, it was Home Alone. Um, the movie where their parents are getting ready to go on a trip and they get everything all packed up and they, they go and uh, little whatever his name is is left at home and they get on the plane and, and they're at 35,000 feet when they realize they've left someone behind um, home alone. It's a little bit like this for uh, Mary and Joseph right now in, in their lives. They've taken Jesus to the temple and they're on their way and uh, they realize Jesus isn't with them. So before you get too hard on them about their parenting skills, um, it happens. It happens even in this church. We had one family in our church who will remain nameless, but on more than one occasion, have left the building, got into their vehicle, driving home, and realized one of the kids got left at the church. It happens. Last weekend, another family in our church who will remain nameless, the husband stayed as they were going to tear all the rug off of this to do the work on the platform, and and it's Mother's Day, and so he's working hard, working hard, working hard, and he realized, I got to get home, I got to get home, it's Mother's Day, my wife, I got to, and he gets out, he books out the door, he gets in the car, he drives home, he opens the door, and his wife's still here at the church. It happens. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, 
it probably will. And if it's not that, it will be something else. Um, the one couple I talked to feel really good about it now because now they figure they're in good company. If, if Mary and Joseph couldn't pull it together, why in the world would they ever figure us? We're going to be able to pull it together, right? So, uh, hey, parents aren't perfect. And um, sometimes when you're laying in bed at night and you're wondering about, have I really done a good job with my kids? Have I ever... Just remember Mary and Joseph. Um, Some things about them you want to see. Here's the first one I want you to notice about them, though. They were faithful. Look at verse 42, uh, verse 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and in verse 42, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. These people were faithful in the way they were raising their son. They were seeking to do things right. Uh, The the experience that he needed to have, the spiritual responsibilities that they had to go to Jerusalem, they were making sure they were doing the right things. Mary and Joseph, they were faithful. But they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. You have to imagine what's going on here. And uh, think about it in this context. If you're a mom and you've ever been at the grocery store and uh, little Johnny's walking along beside you and you go and reach up for something and you turn around and he's gone. And what goes through your mind? He's been stolen. He's dead. He's All of that in one second goes through your mind. Well, understand that feeling as you listen to this. And when the feast was ended, they were returning The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. Supposing him to be in a group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Now, that sounds all very matter-of-fact. That's not really what's going on. What's going on is they've traveled for a whole day. And the women traveled with the women and the men traveled with the men and they just talked as they went along and they get to the end of the first day and Mary finds Joseph and where's Jesus? Well, he's not with me. Where's, how come he's not with you? He's not with me. He hasn't been with me all day. Oh, well, he must be with our relatives and acquaintances. So they go find the relatives and the acquaintances and Mary's heart's starting to go. Dum, 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 dum. And all of a sudden they're with the relatives and the acquaintances and ah, he's not here. So they book it another day back to Jerusalem. And on the third day, they find Jesus and he's in the temple. Parenting isn't a perfect skill. It will make mistakes along the way. Mary and Joseph did. And when they found him, it doesn't say she was ticked off in the text. But I think it's pretty close. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. It's not like, oh, oh, we found you. Oh, happy day. (laughs) Ah, what's wrong with you? Where have you been? Great distress. They got disappointed. They got disappointed just like parents, just like we did, just like you will. They confronted the problems. They asked him the questions. Where have you been? What have you been doing? And um, I love what Jesus says to them because you have to understand it in the context of what's going on here. When his parents saw him in verse 48, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? 
Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Or uh, some uh, versions will say, do you not know I need to be about my father's business? And you could read that with like, what's wrong with you people? Don't you know I need to be about my father's business? It's not the way it is at all. That's not what's going on here. Jesus is 12 years old. They've taken him to the temple. And it's that time of, the, the, of his life where he's moving to manhood. And at 12 and 13 years old, the levels of responsibility start to grow for him. And he would start to learn his father's trade. This would be the time when Joseph would start to teach him how to be a carpenter. And Jesus is in the temple. And he's asking questions and he's seeing. And when they come and they, and they say, well, what, what are you doing? He said, Don't you know? Don't you understand? I need to be about my father's business. This is the thing that I've come for. This is what I'm learning. It wasn't a disrespectful statement. It was all, it was a thing for them to understand. And you see uh, Mary's response. It talks about how she considered all these things and pondered all of these things in her heart. Uh, The Bible had said that about her earlier in this chapter after the shepherds had come that Mary kept all of these things and pondered them, thought them over in her heart and in her mind as she's trying to figure out and Joseph is trying to figure out all that had happened before Jesus was born and all that had happened when he was born and now he's 12 years old and now he makes this statement, don't you know? I have to be about my father's business. Very kid in the room, here's the verse for you for this morning. They did not understand the saying he spoke to them in verse 51, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Jesus' response to all of this was he came under. He came under willingly. He came under immediately. So that sets the table. That's what's going on here. And then in verse 52 we have the statement about how Jesus grew up. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let's discover four growth points that everyone needs to go through. And as you're raising your kids, four areas that you need to make sure that you have as a priority and and you take care of in their lives. The first one, it says he grew in wisdom. He grew in his knowledge. He was learning things. He was growing up mentally. And every parent has a responsibility to make sure that uh, their kid gets a good education, that their child is understanding and learning and, 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 and teaching them to make good decisions in their lives because every child needs to grow up in wisdom. Now, the next thing, he was growing up in stature. He was physically growing up. As this is written, he's 12 years old. He's, his feet are too big for him. He's tripping as he walks. He's His voice is changing. All of those things are going on. He is uh, moving to manhood, but he's moved from being a little child where uh, until you're about five years old, a little snippet for you, you can take this home and try it with your kids if they're little. Until you're about five years old, you can't take your arm and put it over your head and grab your ear. Uh, That doesn't happen until you're about five years old. I know you're going to do that when you get out of here this afternoon to see if you can do it. And you can because you're more than five But when you're four and three, your head's too big and your body hasn't grown into your head yet. And, uh, but it will. And uh, hopefully anyways, and um, he's growing up 
And physically, as parents, you have a responsibility to take care of your kids and physically uh, make sure that they have the things that they need to grow up. He grew up mentally. He grew up physically. He grew up spiritually. He grew up in favor with God. As parents, you have a responsibility to make sure your kids grow up knowing and understanding who God is. And then the last one, it says, he grew up in favor with man. That means he grew up socially. He was learning social skills and how to get along and how to interact with other people. And so if you have kids, four areas, four areas to keep your eyes on and keep your mind on. And how are they growing up mentally and physically and spiritually and socially? Those are the... Those are the four things. But let's talk about the priority of those four things. Back to verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and favor with man. I need to tell you that one of these four you dare not fail in. The others are less critical. But if you fail in the one, you fail in them all. In Matthew 16, 26, it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 17 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling place among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. The number one priority for every parent raising a child is their spiritual development. It's the number one thing. Everything else is secondary. You miss out on this priority and you mess them up, maybe for eternity. And so as we think about the investment we make in our kids and how we do it and the priority of these things, their spiritual growth is first. Wisdom is important. It's important that your kids go to a good school. It's important that you teach them well. It's important that they get a great education. But I've talked to too many students and too many parents where they're really teaching their children to worship education and not worship God. Too many parents who have their kids on some kind of a track that so they can become a lawyer or a doctor or a whatever it is because that's what our family does. That's what's important to us. And spiritually, they leave them in the dust. Education's important. It's important that we teach our children well. It's important that we give them the tools to learn. But it's not the most important thing. It's just one of the things. It says that Jesus grew physically. It's important that we give our kids every advantage that we can so that they grow up and physically they are strong. 
It's important that you get them into ballet or into hockey or into baseball or into soccer or teach them how to play the violin or whatever it is. Uh, Those are important things, but they're not the most important thing. And when you sacrifice your child's spiritual growth at the idol of sports, you're teaching them what's important in their lives. When you think little Johnny's going to make the NHL and be your ticket to freedom, you're teaching him some things. When little Susie wants to go to gymnastics and the club travels every weekend and you teach her that gymnastics is more important than her relationship with God, you're teaching them some things. Are those things wrong? Are those things bad? Are those things, no, not at all. Those things are good and in the right place, they're a good thing and they teach us how to interact with people in the world and all of those things, but they're not the most important thing. When you allow their friends to become more important than their relationship with Christ, their social uh, strata that they are in takes, takes trumps what they do in church. We're teaching them some things. And although having friends and having social skills and, and having physical abilities and having a great education are important, they're not as important as the most important thing. And Jesus grew in favor with God. The most important thing you can do is introduce your son or your daughter to your savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Everything else is secondary. Everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have a big house with a pool in the backyard. It doesn't matter if they have a PhD. It doesn't matter if they play in the NHL. If they don't have Jesus Christ, they've missed out on the most important thing. And your job is to train up a child in the way he should go. taking the time to introduce them to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that they come to the place of understanding they have to make a decision. The Savior who came and died and paid the price so you could have eternal life, that's the gift that you want them to understand. You can't make your kids trust Christ. You can't do it. That's a God thing. They're dead just like every other kid. They need to be made alive by him. But is that your priority? Is your priority, I'm bringing the good news of my Savior to my kids. And I'm praying about it every single day. And I'm gonna do it more because they need the Lord in salvation. They need to come to the place like you did of understanding, none are righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ the Lord. Do they know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest gift you can give to your kids is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that your priority? Or have you got caught up in all the stuff the world is offering and all the stuff the world's pushing and all the stuff that, and you're getting that messed up. 
It's more important for you to have those things fulfilled in their weekly calendar than it is for their righteousness in your weekly calendar. It's more important to get out for that sporting event at 7 a.m. than it is to have family devotions. As I said, the greatest gift you can give to one of your kids is the gospel of Jesus Christ and then to help them grow up in their faith. Jesus grew. He grew up in all of the areas. But let us never forget that the most important thing we can do is to keep the balance of their spiritual life and their spiritual growth first. It's the most important thing. Well, how do we help them with that? And and today what I want to do with the rest of our message is really give you some uh, tools in a toolbox. And that's what I've called it. Let's open a toolbox. And I want to give you four tools, four things to help you as you raise your kids. You're saying, well, I don't have any kids. Guess what? These four things are for everybody in the room. If you have kids, they're for you to help you with your kids. If you don't have kids, they're for you. Four tools. Four tools that will help you to make good decisions. Four principles that will guide in your life. They'll guide you as you consider who your friends should be. They can guide you as you consider what job should you do. They can be part of your life when you consider what kind of entertainment should I go and watch and see. They will guide you when you consider what school you should go to or what I should study. They can guide you when you consider what kind of music do I listen to. Four single words with a lot of biblical support behind them that will help you. And so I want to give you some tools, but before I do that, I want to give you a, a couple of verses that uh, you can use as kind of a foundation for this. The first is Philippians 4, 8 to 10. I'm going to give you a bunch of verses in the next 10 minutes, so be ready if you're taking notes. Here's the first one, Philippians 4, 8 to 10. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things and what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Over in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, I'm just going to read starting at verse 5, but it says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he has been cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, Be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never, you will never fail. Paul said in Ephesians 4 and verse 1, he said, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Walk in a way that honors the Lord. The four tools I'm going to give to you are, are tools to help you walk worthy Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Uh, Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. How can we be imitators of what God would have us to do? Here's the four words. The first one, when you're considering things, when you're trying to make decisions, think about this word. Think about goals. Think about goals. What they want. Let's just, for the sake of the argument for this message, just put all these things through the grid of the kind of music that you listen to. 
You can put it through any grid, but for the sake of today, we're just going to use music as the grid. As you consider the music that you listen to, and what are the goals of the people who are preparing, developing, recording the stuff that you listen to? This one's not black and white, and it's not necessarily easy, and and it's not like you're not ever going to hear something you shouldn't hear, but the stuff that you like to listen to, the stuff that you like to be involved in, what's the goals of the people who are doing it? What is their purpose in life? Luke 16, 13 says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. James 1, 1 and 2 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law, the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So when you consider the music that you listen to, do you ever think about the goals? What's the purpose of that person? You don't have to watch the news very long and you hear about artists and how messed up they are and what they're really trying to do and how much they really don't care about the people that they are um, involved with. They're just really looking for their thing to make their money. And if somebody gets sucked in, that's really their problem. They should know better. What are the goals? Here's another one. What are the graphics? What does it look like? And what do they do? This is an easy one when it comes to music because every music thing that comes out today now comes out with a video. It's all there. You can watch it all. And some of it's on the verge or past the verge of pornographic of what comes up on the screen. It should be an easy decision. I'm not watching that. I'm not listening to that. Uh, What are the graphics of of what is out there? What is the image that they're giving to you? 1 Peter 3.3 says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing that you wear. What does it look like? That one's pretty easy because you can see it. And it's pretty easy to judge it based on what God's word says. So what are the goals? What are the graphics? Here's another one that's pretty black and white. What are the lyrics? What does it say? What does it say? If the music that you're listening to is not honoring the Lord, well, let's assume, and I would agree, that just because something is not honoring the Lord doesn't mean it's dishonoring the Lord. And so that doesn't mean that every music that's not um, written as a praise tune, you shouldn't listen to. I'm not saying that at all. But what's the, what's the message? What is it saying? And if it's giving out values that are immoral or corrupt, then why are you listening to it? Why are you allowing that to fill your head? And if it's espousing things that are blasphemous towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our God who we serve, then turn it off. Put it away. Throw it out. Four tools in the toolbox. Goals. Graphics, lyrics, and the fourth one is their lifestyle. The lifestyle. So you can do this when you talk about friends. Um, You're talking about the people you want to hang out with. Think about what are their goals. Think about what are their graphics. Think about what are the things they're saying. Think about what is their lifestyle. What are they? What are the causes they're about? What do they represent? 
Who's influencing who? In Matthew 7, 18 to 20, it says, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. And the fruit that honors the Lord is the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Through him then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Hebrews 13, 5, through him then let us continually offer, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. John 15, 7 and 8 say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And Matthew 5, 16 says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Goals, graphics, lyrics, lifestyle, music. You can judge it. You can determine whether it's good for you, whether it's right for you, whether you should turn it off, whether you should throw it away by putting it through that grid. All those things come right out of the Bible. You can do the same thing with the entertainment that you go and watch and see. Uh, We do it all the time at home when it's like, change the channel. We just don't need to be listening to that. The graphics might be fine, but the language is ridiculous. And it's not honoring the Lord. And if they owe God one more time, I think I'm going to go through the television set. Turn it off. The relationships that you have, the people that you choose to hang out with, goals, graphics, lyrics, lifestyle, put it up against the grid of God's word. It's not to say we don't have any relationships with people who aren't in the Lord. We have lots of those kind of relationships. But who's influencing who? And what kind of an impact is it having on your life? And there comes a point when you have to say enough. Enough. This isn't honoring the Lord and it's affecting my walk with Christ. I am not being built up. I'm being torn down enough. Four tools that everyone in the room can put in their toolbox to help us as we seek to fight the battle for our family and seek to live lives for the glory of Jesus Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, he said, I urge you then be imitators of me. That verse just scares me a little bit, I gotta tell you. Imitate me. Hey, church, imitate me. Okay, not always, but lots of the time. Paul went on to say, imitate me even as I imitate Christ in 1 Corinthians 11, And verse one, I urge you then, be imitators. As a parent, you have four tools in your toolbox. You may have a lot more. You may come up with other words, but you have four tools in your toolbox. Your your kids need to see those things being worked out in your life. They need to see the faithfulness of what you're doing. They need to see the imperfections in you that lived out and the honesty that comes with it. They need to see all of that as as you go through things and uh, you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to do it perfectly. If Mary and Joseph couldn't figure out that their only son wasn't with them and they had to go back and find him and make things right, I'm pretty sure you're going to make some mistakes too. 
But when you make mistakes, own them. Own your mistakes. Do you ever say to your kids, I'm sorry? Or I was, I was, I was wrong. Do you ever say, will you forgive me? I sinned. Be imitators of me, even as I am of Christ, Paul said. Be quick to forgive. Forgive others just as in Christ God has forgiven you. Story a couple of weeks ago that happened in our lives. We were um, visiting our um, son in uh, in Burlington, and they were going out for the evening, and we were taking care of the two kids, and um, children are five and three, and, you know, we're grandparents, you spoil them, you take them out for McDonald's, you do all the things that, you know, you can, and then you put them to bed and go home, and, uh, but, uh, so we get them, and it's time for bed, and um, our grandson, who's five years old, it was my job to get him into his pajamas, he's five years old, he can do most of that by himself, but he's got this green t-shirt on that he's had on since I got there, and, and I said, um, Got to change your shirt and put your pajama shirt on. No, Papa. No, I don't. Mommy lets me sleep in my T-shirt. I'm thinking, you're a liar. (laughs) That's why I was thinking. Okay. No, you need to put on your pajama shirt. No, no, no. Mommy lets me sleep in it. No, no, no. You're putting on your pajamas and that shirt's coming off. Well, we have a little fight. They're screaming, most of it from him, but they're screaming. And at the end of it, I win because I'm bigger. So he's in his pajamas and we read our Bible story and we pray and he goes to bed and he's asleep and mom comes home. How'd it go? Oh, it all went great. A little thing with his t-shirt. Do you want to change it? Yeah, sometimes I let him sleep with that shirt on. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, he's asleep. I can't do anything about it. So I'm not waking him up, right? So, but a week later they're at our house and I put him up on my knee and I said, Hey, remember when I made you take your shirt off the other night and put your pajama shirt on? I was wrong. I was wrong. Ask your mom. And, and she said that sometimes she lets you do that. Now, she's a quack. I can't understand that part, but uh, <laughs> no, she's not. I was wrong. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. Do you do that? Do you do that with your kids? Do you do that with your friends? Do you do that with your spouse? Do you own your stuff? Like that was nothing really. It was a t-shirt. But in the bigger things in life, are we quick to ask for forgiveness? Are we quick to make things right? Are we quick to own our stuff? Are we quick to set an example? Are we quick to be a model? Don't blink. Don't blink. They grow up so fast and we're setting foundational things in their lives. And we're called to be an example. We're called to be able to say to our kids, be followers of me, even as I am of Jesus Christ. Well, so what? So what? Your family's a battleground. And your kids are a battleground. And they have competing interests and things that are driving them and drawing them and pressuring them and all of those things. And and what are you doing to make sure that you seek to see them grow up in a balanced way, but not losing sight of the most important thing? 
their relationship with Jesus Christ. And what are you doing to make sure they've got some tools in their toolbox to understand when they have to make decisions, when they have to make choices so they'll make good ones that honor the Lord. And when they don't, you can come alongside and encourage and help them and spur them on to love and and good deeds. You won't do it perfectly, but do it faithfully. And the results, they're in God's hands. And don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. With people in the room who didn't give up and are seeing God do things in young adult and adult lives as God is working, you don't ever, ever, ever give up on your family. And you be faithful. And you pour your heart out in prayer. And you serve your family And you watch what God does. Don't ever give up. Make your investment now. You don't don't be thinking about, well, you know, no, in six months from now, it's going to be better. Or two years from now, I'm going to have more time. Or no, you're not. You make your investment right now. You have the time. You have the talents. We have the treasures And we've got a God who will lead and direct us as we faithfully seek to serve him. And will you leave him in Jerusalem once in a while? Yep. And you go back and you pick him up and you get on with it for the glory of Jesus Christ the Lord. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that uh, you work it into our lives. Thank you that it is fresh and new. Thank you that it is real and you don't, you don't hide the things in life that are real that people struggle with. You didn't hide from us the fact that uh, Joseph and Mary walked away and forgot their son in Jerusalem and had to go back and, and make things right and You demonstrated his submissiveness. But Father, you also took the time to show us how he grew up in all of the areas. Father, teach us as parents, God, to be balanced in those things. We so want to get caught up in one or two of them. And Lord, may our focus be first and primarily on our kids' spiritual development. Father, that they would know Jesus Christ and know him as life eternal. Father, that they would grow up in the word of God and make good decisions because we've taught them from your word. God, give us faith to never give up. But trust you, Lord, for what only you can do in their lives. And then, Lord, we've taken a look at four tools in the toolbox. They're not just about teaching our kids. They're about teaching ourselves. The things that we get caught up in, the things that we make priorities of, the the things that sometimes get put in a place that they shouldn't be and you get set aside. God, teach us and use your word to do it that we be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray these things in his name.